0: hello and welcome to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network i'm your host gary morgan with me as always my good friend jim stam how are you my friend
1: doing all right man um geez we got a lot to talk for a team that hasn't done a whole lot we (laughs) we, we have a lot to talk about don't we
0: yeah man like they have it's like the muppet show I mean, absolutely nothing happened on The Muppet Show, and they had a full-time journalist and two media critics and, you know, three or four different hosts and one band that played, well, like, may- everything.
1: Maybe we can be the two old crazy guys up in the um, loft. That, I'm not sure
0: um, we have much of a choice. I mean, we're both wearing hats for a reason, man. Our hair is starting to look true. a little nuts. So, um, yeah, let's start, man. I, I don't want this to sound like a funeral show. I mean... I've been listening to, to people and there's no like happy way to do this stuff. Okay. But like we're going to talk through some, some painful subjects, but we're going to try to like keep our eye on why it's not total disaster and why this is okay. Or we're not just going to paint the, the somber side of everything. That said, there's no positive really to, to Andy Rodriguez getting hurt. um, Jim, this feels like a long story. (laughs) It doesn't feel like it just started here. Um, It certainly didn't just pop up, I don't think, in in winter. He had elbow problems a little bit early in the season that slowed him down. He had elbow problems that slowed him down a little bit the year before. So, I guess it's not unprecedented that he's having some issues, right? I mean, that said, boy, this felt sudden.
1: Yeah, I... (sighs) Well, you know, he supposedly hurt this on a swing, too. And, yep. um, you know, so
0: I don't know. That immediately told me, though, because, like, I heard Dayon, even this morning, was, like, going off about maybe he shouldn't have been in winter ball. I mean, bro, it just happened in a swing. I, he could have done that in a Denny's parking lot showing some girl what he does. You know, like, I, I just don't see... I just don't see that.
1: I had no idea where you're where you were going with what he was doing in a Denny's parking lot. <laughs> so I I was just sitting here waiting. I just um,
0: picture I just picture Andy enjoying a Grand Slam, man. A Grand <laughs> Slam breakfast. I think I think he eats up Americana like that. That's what I'm saying.
1: Well, listen, here's the thing. Like I and I've seen that too, where like people were talking about yeah, you know, he doesn't have any business playing, you know, winter ball and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, listen, you know, I I don't know the um, some guys want to do it. Sometimes it's the organization that you know really wants you to do it. But I I look at it like, man, the more you're playing, the better it is. And, and um, I didn't look at that as a big negative. And I I happen to agree with you that just the nature of it. Man, it really could have happened probably at any time for him.
0: Yeah, I I so. think there's that aspect to it. The other aspect to it is just playing in winter ball. It's first, it's really culturally important to a lot of um, people yeah. that, that that came up down there. And there's a lot of backdoor owing people things too that that play mm. into this. There's reasons that you get guys that. 10 year vets that go down there and play in the winter league in the Dominican winter league. It's they owe somebody something from a long time ago. They did something for their families so they could go do this. Like well, all, Acuna, are a lot of stuff that goes into why guys play winter ball.
1: Yeah. I never thought of that. I mean, I, the first thing that comes to mind is Acuna was playing um, after the season. I mean, and if anybody probably needed a break, you'd think it'd be him and he certainly right. doesn't need it, but um, you know, s- sometimes these guys, they're just going to play and it's not that's like sad. Andy's, it's not like Andy's some big finished prod product either. Well, I
0: think that's kind of the, the next point I was going to bring up. Andy, you know, he got hurt trying to get better, man. Like he, you know, we, we talked about him not being able to focus on the offensive side of his game and I mean, that's what he's trying to do at Winter Ball is focus on the offensive side of his game and, and get better so that he can come to spring ready to contribute, you know, on both sides of, of his game. And I, I mean, I think that's a lot of what the offseason is. I hesitate to start. I hesitate to start getting involved in that because it's, it's the area of biggest growth when it comes to player improvement is over the off season and there's a reason for that. It's cause they put in a lot of work.
1: And it's it's a lot of second guessing in my mind that 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 that's a little too easy and convenient after the fact. And I agree with you in the sense of like off season is where you can really you can try different things. Right. You can sort through different things. You're not on that spring training timeline that they have where you've got to get so many things done at cert, such and such a time and checking all these boxes where it, it allows you some time to experiment with things that you normally wouldn't have the luxury of doing.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that entirely. And so I think we'll, I'll dismiss the are the pirates culpable in the injury aspect of things insofar as I don't blame them for letting him go play winter ball. I don't think that had, you know, I don't think that's the determining factor as to whether it's happened or not. I will say it's been coming on for a minute. Um, you know, there's been some warning signs and, and it feels like they've pushed through them. Uh, it feels like they've been wrong a couple times now on missing warning signs. And we talked uh, with Eric, you know, a few weeks ago, it does sound like warning signs at the very least are detectable. So I'd like to think they'd get a little bit better at
1: that sort of thing. Right? Yeah. Well, look, you've got, we were talking about Andy. Um, remember back to Vince Velasquez and how that was handled and how they, you know, um, I think he was out for what, maybe a week or two. Maybe it was a little longer than that. I could be wrong. But then they tried to get him back in there. Then all of a sudden, it became full-blown. So, um, and then you've got the Oviedo situation. So, you would you would like to think that they they, you would hope that they could be doing, if they're not doing as good of a job there, then they really need to internally look at that process.
0: Right. I mean, that's, and that's just guessing. <laughs> on my part, I have no idea whether that's true or not. I, all I know is they've had a lot of them. And I do feel like on more than one occasion, there's been rumblings that there's issues. If you really want to get concerned, O'Neill Cruz had these issues and yeah. was shut down in the minor leagues. And he played through it and he has never had the surgery. So if you're a real doomsdayer, I mean, that could very well be on your horizon.
1: Yeah. Well, it's interesting, too, is because, like, it's so often a focus of, like, the pitchers, right, and how they're being mm-hmm. handled. Um, well, it turns out that, hey, we've seen Bryce Harper dealing with it. Um, so, you just, you look, everybody is susceptible to it, and you just don't know.
0: Yeah, let's bring up one, one last angle about Andy before we take a break and we'll come back and we'll pick up any, any crumbs that need brushed off the table before we move on to something else. So don't worry. This won't be all we say. Wilbert Matthews here. He says, we, we have other catchers and it's not like Andy was carrying us. He was the starter, but delay is fine. I'm sure Sanchez is fine. I mean, let's not forget we survived hedges. So I get the sentiment there. Um, I think it's passing over a pretty large name there, which we'll get into because there's a beneficiary to this too. As Mike Tomlin always says, you know, one man's misfortune is another man's opportunity. Yeah. And while I know he's under fire, that's a very true thing. So, uh, Andy's numbers though, this year, you know, 186 at bats, three home runs, 220 batting average, 284, uh, on base percentage, only a 612 OPS.
1: He did not have a good offensive season in the majors. And he didn't have a good offensive season in the minors. That's – yep. I mean, so, yeah. And and let me say this, too. Like, obviously, it's not good news. Um, he – this is, again – you know, we just talked about this with Cruz, just such a crucial year for him de- development wise Sorry. that that sucks more than anything. But I mean, let's let, let's be real honest here. Um, the, the season isn't hinging on whether any Rodriguez was going to be playing or not playing.
0: No, I mean, cause I'll leave you with the bomb, a good team is not going into their season with Andy Rodriguez as their nailed on starter. He may be the best catcher they have on on their roster, but he ain't starting the season that way. Not after the numbers he put up. Let's take a quick one. We'll come right back. We're back to the Pirates fan forum here on DK Pittsburgh sports podcast network. And I can tell we're about to start a, a segment that's probably going to be fire because there's already fighting going on in the chat, Jim Ryan Lytle. He says, is Henry Davis going to be the opening day catcher? You got, you know, uh, let's see, Douglas Smith. Good golly. I hope not. <laughs> or Wilbur Matthews. I'm in the minority who wants Davis to stay in right field, so I'm hoping you wouldn't notice that we didn't, that he didn't mention him in his list before. Um, Doug thinks he can be a great right fielder. Uh, the team started saying that Henry Davis was going to be catching before last season ended. They really made a big deal that that was something mm-hmm. they were going to pursue this offseason, and they were going to bring him in as a catcher to try to win that spot. So they were already going to have a competition. I don't think those statements started as of November 13th. Do you, Jim? I think they were going on before that.
1: Yeah, they were. Um, And I think it's easy to look back on and think that there was some big conspiracy, but I don't see that here. Um, I I, I, I think that that's their plan. What I would say about all this is you know it's to me it is the silver lining where henry now has complete total opportunity to do what they had hoped he would do from the very beginning which is be a catcher yeah and 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 take control of that position and and i will say that i look at it like sometimes you just have to find out and be forced into it and so that to me is the silver lining here, which is, it was a very kind of weird situation with the, the with en, having Andy and Henry. Sure. And so like, y- y- you can see where they're, that's, that's tough to come up with a plan. Well, it's taken that-
0: a, we've always wrestled with it, Jim. So, I mean, uh-huh. in many ways, it's almost like, I, I, I'm not happy he's hurt at all, no. but it's nice to have a little clarity. You need Henry now. Like, here's a great way of putting it. John Gorman, he says, I would have been fine seeing Henry in right field, but now you have to see what he can do at catcher with an extended look. I'm really hoping it works out there at catcher. And that's, that's, that's a great way to look at it because I could have gone either way. I could have been like, hey, just leave Endy back there. He's already looking like he's handling it defensively. Hopefully the bat comes along. Let's let Henry hit right field or DH or whatever, and and just not mess with the whole catcher thing. Let's let's stay out of that. But man, with this injury, even though the Pirates hadn't done a good job of selling me on it before, or like making me feel like they had a good plan of how they were going to go about it, I don't care. I mean, now I, I do think it, it's got to be Henry's job to lose.
1: Yeah, and. I'm just, I'm of the mindset. It's, it's, um, it's now's, now's as good a time as ever to find out. Um,
0: I would not be shocked to see them start with three catchers though. I would not be shocked to see Ali Sanchez, Jason delay, and Henry Davis all make this team.
1: I, I, I kind of expect that at least initially. And, um, You know, I I will say this, Henry Davis, uh, it sounds like he's a guy that will readily accept a challenge like this. Um, Boy, does he have a lot on his plate now, though. Um, Well,
0: let's talk about that a little bit, because I think the impression that a lot of us have of Henry Davis as a catcher comes from the Pirates, you know, (laughs) onboarding of him, right? They're the ones that showed us there was no reason to be confident in him, right? I, I mean, I wrote before like, this is a team that willingly put Josh Van Meter behind the plate, albeit only for an inning. <laughs> but once you've done that, I'm I don't understand how I'm supposed to buy that your 1 1 pick who's caught all his life can't do it for a couple innings and whatever they were trying to protect or hide. Maybe it was an injury. Maybe it was something wrong with his ankle and he couldn't squat like that, or who knows what they were trying to hide? You know, maybe his hand hurt too bad to make, to, to be catching fastballs with that injury he had. Who knows what they're trying to hide? But their communication skills on this are what gave us the impression that this kid can't catch. He could catch in college. I've seen him catch in the minors. He, no, he's not smooth. But you've already seen this offseason. He's leaked out several training videos on Instagram and whatnot. He, the technique looks like it's come along already getting great reports from the people that have worked with him this offseason that he's moving along defensively. I, I, I honestly think like, let's just have an open mind and see what he does this offseason. Yeah. That's when he's supposed to learn.
1: Well, and the thing is you you talk about the poor communication is and then sometimes you just have to look at actions and they they went out of their way at every turn to not give him an opportunity.
0: Oh, no doubt. And,
1: you know, yeah. like any chance that he could have had, they they passed on it. So um they worked anything- harder
0: to find opportunities for Drew Magic to get a pinch hit <laughs> than they did to get Henry an opportunity behind the plate.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, whatever the reasoning is behind that, I, I will say this. We're probably assuming health is, is not in play. And with Henry, it, it's been an issue somewhat. We're finally just going to get some answers there. And I do think that that is, that is the biggest benefit to this. You drafted him, number one. You drafted yeah. him as a catcher. Well, now you're going to find out, just how right or wrong that pick was.
0: It's going to be strange here because this could go two ways, right? This could go, um, they get through the whole season. Henry ends up catching like three quarters of it. He hits well enough that, that you feel like, okay, you've answered the catching position. You probably at least finish this year feeling about Henry if he hits the way you feel about Andy you probably have a catcher. That's the way you'll probably look at it. Right. Yeah. So then when Andy comes back from injury at the beginning of 2025, Lord willing, maybe he don't catch like, this is how delicate this is because you're not going to bump your one, one, you know, and maybe their Mm -hmm. intention really and truly is to share that position. But this injury changes a whole lot because now Andy's going to be coming back into a team. That's one whole year closer one whole decade of talent closer and maybe that bat that had all that potential. Well, maybe it now needs to show that it's ready after a year off and he starts in the, you know what I mean? That's the, that's the catastrophic nature of an injury like this. And the best thing is that it, that it happened to him as a major leaguer, because if it happened to him a year earlier, he'd be a prospect that's getting a little old in the tooth and everybody's like kind of freaking out that he's not going to ever make it. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. This happens to no, uh, kids every year.
1: It, it yeah, I mean the only benefit is is like hopefully Andy at some point, um, because he's not a pitcher, he can still be doing some drills at some point, working on yeah. things where he's just not having to, you know, worry about th- the stress on the arm.
0: I keep and wanting the segment to be over, but that's another segment. Why? Why won't he be one of these guys that comes back in like six months because he can hit after Tommy John? It, this isn't Bryce Harper, people. Yeah. This is Andy Rodriguez, who's proven absolutely nothing in the majors. You don't rush a guy like that back to the back, like with, to risk injury. Where you risk somebody like Bryce Harper or Otani back because you're hoping seventy percent of them is still better than most hitters. Like, yep. they're not full strength. You're not going to do that to a kid. He's going to get his full recovery time. This is a full season. Don't even think about it. Don't do the O'Neal Cruz game.
1: No, they have to be very careful with him and and let the process play out. So I I, I don't, if we're having a discussion like that um, anytime in 2024, I think it's too soon.
0: Right. Funny thing is he'll probably make his first appearance playing winter ball again. <laughs> like next yeah. year, just yeah. truth be told. Yep. Um, all right. So they also made a signing, Jim. We have to talk about that. And it was a rowdy signing, rowdy Telez. We both feared it. We both pointed it out as soon as he got uh, DFA'd from um, or non-tendered from Milwaukee. We both knew that was going to wind up being a target. What do you think? I, 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 I saw what he did in 2022. I've written about him a couple weeks ago, actually, as like, I could see him being a guy that you, that you might want to consider taking a shot at, but I certainly don't want him to be like my solo shot at first base. Do you
1: (laughs) No, uh, you know, the funny thing is, is we we've. We heard the whole, everybody knows the comment now about shopping in a different section of the store, right? Yeah. Well, you know, regardless of your feelings, and I say yours, I mean anybody's, about what you think he can do maybe this season as a bounce back guy. Does it feel like you just shopped in a different section of the store? (laughs) No. You know, like. No, it does not. No, Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing to me is, is like, okay, sure. Can he maybe have a bounce back year? Yes. But this is a guy that you're hope you're just hoping finds a little something from what will then be two seasons ago that he can replicate. And that to me is just not enough. It's just not, it's just not, Yeah, I I was. I didn't even want them to go the Santana route. I told you that. Um,
0: Yeah, I hope I I changed your mind a little bit by talking about what the options, though, because he at least I think I, I thought he was at least the third best known available first baseman, and I and I include free agency and at the time known trade partners like if this is really true that the guardians want to move on from um nailer which i don't think it is
1: (laughs) no i didn't
0: if it is okay i mean but he's he's kind of an odd dude too um that's a weird bird to bring into a room just saying like a room like this too with with a bunch of quiet guys that's not that guy so i don't know about that move either but um potentially on the field. I love it. But to me, I look at this thing, Jim, and I see he signed for 3.2 million for the worst, right? I find it hard to believe to jive, like to jive Ben Sherrington's words with that being all they do at first base. Here's why last year they didn't give us those words. They brought in Choi. I thought, okay. That's good enough for first base. I'm kind of glad they did that. You and I accepted that fully hook line and sinker as Choi was the first baseman. And we were actually talking ourselves into being okay with it. Right.
1: Right. Right.
0: Then boom, Connor Joe trade and he can play a little first base. So he might do that. He might play a little field. He might, who knows what he's going to do. Eh, we still don't know. Then boom, Santana 6.75 million here. It and then all of a sudden he's playing first base. Choi plays 23 total games. Like Jim, we don't know what they're doing here yet. Rowdy might be just a small part of what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I, I, it, I hope. I hope that that's not their 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 full plan at first base. I mean, um, this is a guy that he he's bad defensively. Uh, he. he He's not someone you're going to sit over there and play 150 games at first base. God, I hope not. Um, can he have a defined role on a team? I suppose, but I can't look at him and say, "Well, that that box is checked," because it certainly, in my mind, has not been.
0: No, but I also think like the numbers in 2022 are pretty real. And last year, you can at least say it was injury driven. To me, that's a $3 million swing at a guy that might be able to pop 25, 30 home runs in an exclusive platoon role. Man, that's not bad for me. I don't mind that. I don't even hate that as a platoon for for first base or catch. I don't mind just having that on my bench for $3 million. Like, that's fine to me as a player. and I And I personally don't care if they cut him. That's not a lot of money to me. I know that that's not the way they'll think. But for me, mm-hmm. this is butt white money for a player that I think could give you real, real good results. So to me, that's a decent signing.
1: Yeah, I guess like for me, like the power obviously is something that at least he provides that um, he he's like I said, like he's very poor at first base. So that, that really worries me if he's got to play there for any length of time. Um, But really it's the power, right? Because if you look across the board, uh, you know, three, even in that good year that he had in 2022 with 35 home runs, it's pretty much everything he does because even his on base percentage was three Oh six. So You're like right. he, he definitely is kind of a one trick pony guy and you do need those in major league baseball. I just don't want them to be depending on that because I don't know. I don't know what this looks like.
0: Right. And Doug brings up here, the basic question everyone is asking themselves at this time is, is, Has the teams ever moved forward after one-third of the offseason or moved backward? Uh, I just had uh, Justin on my site actually dive into this just a couple weeks ago, and and he went through everything that Ben Charrington had done at Boston or here um, before, around, or slightly after the winter meetings, and what he found was very, very little. So most of his history is, is up around Christmas and post. He's always kind of done that sort of thing. I also think we tried to warn everybody on this stuff, Jim. We said this was going to be trades this offseason, we thought. And th- those just take longer. I'm sorry, they do. They t- And they take people landing free agencies to to shake other things free, too.
1: Well, everything has gotten pushed back. Everything has been hinging on letting some things sort themselves out at the top of the market. You have a little bit of this um, uneasiness over around the game with the RSNs. You've got trades that you're probably trying to figure out where your best, you know, matches there. And so to me, and I said this even going into the winter meetings, don't be surprised if you don't see a lot of things happen Yeah. because there are just some years that that's how it goes. And I just think that if you look big picture, everything's been slow. Everything.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a fair way to look at it. And you're going to start to see other dominoes fall too. Yamamoto is the next big one, right? So Yamamoto will go to the Dodgers as I taught, as I called almost two weeks ago, right around when I said, you know, Otani would go there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, well, I, I mean, mean it- Yamamoto will go there. I wouldn't be surprised if they trade for Tyler Glass now. And I would think that they'll probably, which the trades, who cares? You know, <laughs> like anybody has that ability. If they if they want to do that, fine. Um, but they're building a super team and they're definitely putting it in people's faces. And I think we need to talk about that a little bit, Jim. Because the whole showy situation, it's kind of shaken my core with baseball a little bit. I just feel like maybe we need to have a little bit of a, I don't know, baseball therapy session, if you will. (laughs)
1: Fine. I'll I'll go downstairs and get the couch.
0: (laughs) Thing is, man, I don't feel like trying to try the case against Major League Baseball here with facts and, and yelling and screaming about a salary cap and everything. I don't think it needs to be that complicated. I think it needs to be more just like, are we happy with this game? And like, even if that is fair, what happened with Otani out there and all that deferred money, even if that's completely legal, which it appears to be, does that sit well with you really as a fan? Let's talk about it when we come back, man, because I think we got a lot to say, so I'm gonna leave us plenty of bumper space for it. Yeah,
1: yeah, we need it.
0: we're back to the pirates fan forum here on dk pittsburgh sports podcast network make sure you smash that subscribe button down there give us a like head on over to apple podcasts and do the same over there for us leave us a comment tell your friends about the show do all that stuff um we're gonna work real hard to try to get some kind of something to pass out to people because uh keep getting asked for that stuff so i gotta I got to get on my horse and figure that stuff out. This, Before is,
1: this, we, is, this is supposed to be your thing, Gary. You're. I know, you're, I know. You're good into the PR type of thing.
0: I know, I know. And next week, don't forget our Christmas show. Jim and I haven't entirely figured out when it's going to be because he's been playing single dad and he needs uh, mom to come home and tell him what his schedule is next week. <laughs>
1: I need her to save me (laughs) completely and totally.
0: So once we get that nailed down, I'll send out a notification on Twitter and Facebook. Make sure everybody knows Um, there's rumors going around that I'm going to sing Christmas carol song parodies. Like, we'll see how that goes.
1: I'm working on something too. Listen, there's no singing going to happen, but I'm working on something. So it's
0: going to be a good time, man. And I'm going to, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm going to be dressing up. I'm getting lights behind me and everything. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a good time next week. So we'll let you know when that's going to be. Let's start with a question here before we get into this, because we should wrap up the pirates a little bit. Kevin says, do the. Oviedo and Rodriguez injuries give the front office an excuse for their lack of activity this offseason. In other words, does 2024 look different now? Kevin, that's a great question. It and is. one that people have posed directly to Ben Charrington and Travis Williams as recently as three days ago. Journalists have given them off ramp after off ramp here to back off. Right. They have. We've had injury to Oviedo. We've had a slow start to the winner. We've had Andy Rodriguez now goes down with the elbow surgery. Well, you know, all this stuff going on. They keep giving them a reason. They keep going, Hey, Ben, you still, you still planning on getting all those pictures and everything, right? And he goes, Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're in on everything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking all over the place. You (laughs) fool. I mean, like Ben is, he's right back at them. Travis Williams. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're not changing a damn thing. Every, where Everything's on course. We're doing exactly whatever this run office puts together this year. You're going to know two things. One, they claim they're trying to win and two, they must believe this is enough to win. So I think we're going to know one of two things at the end of next season. These people are either wholly unqualified to do their job (laughs) because they thought that was going to be a winner, or they bald faced lied to us and just flat out didn't do enough.
1: It's really interesting because, like you said, they've given, they've had a chance to kind of start, you know, well, you know, uh, these have been things that we couldn't have foreseen and so on and so they haven't, they haven't deviated, which for the pirates is weird in a, in a, in and of itself, because you can kind of read between the lines and there just hasn't been that. So, yeah. you know, either, either they're still going to have some things working this off season that will then make a little more sense as to why they're keep, they keep saying that, but All we have to go on is right now. Uh, Right now, it's not looking like it makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Let's see what this one says here from Daniel. They claim they're trying to win and then go out and bring in garbage players at the time. It is time to give up on Ben Charrington. I think so. Well, they're not going to give up on Ben Charrington, Daniel. This is Dan. This is his plan. And again, they claim they're trying to win. Well. The team he puts on the field needs to win then. If the GM says words like that, you talk about accountability. Well, most of the time, these front office execs, they're slithery. They don't allow themselves to get pinned down. They're smarter than that. They don't say things like, yes, we're out there trying to get two pitchers. They don't say specific numbers because they could fail and not get two pitchers. They don't say things that are going to pin them on themselves, and I this just, guy will not stop doing it.
1: Well, I mean, th- let's. I mean, we've talked about shopping in a different section of the store, increasing payroll, um, attacking free agency, um, wanting to uh, upgrade at certain positions, outfield, first base. Like these are all things that have been clearly stated. So. Um, yeah. So those are not things that Ben Sherrington has ever said. Travis Williams, for God's sakes, never says anything, let alone what he said the other day, which is nothing's going to change what, what what our plans were. So, you know, something's got to give with it. Eric. Point
0: is, Jim, from the time that that man uttered the words that he wanted to try to win this year and he thought that they could make that push. It's been on him to make that the case. And twice now, twice now, I've read journalists, Alex Stump, Jason Mackey, two separate occasions, given both of these guys off ramps, just given them an opportunity. Here's this terrible thing that happened, sir. Hey, I know you said you were going to lower the budget, but there was that 8.7 earthquake that knocked over all those buildings downtown. So. Are you still holding on to that budget governor? That's that's the example of an off ramp from a journalist, right? The pirates refuse to take it. So good or bad, they either have integrity and they're going to stick to their words and and they don't really mean them or they ain't done. And they're going to do what they're going to do. And whatever we're going to learn this year, he either doesn't know what he's talking about or he does.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean this this was always coming one way or the other. So um once but definitively once he said what he said and the talk has been what it has been, that time is now. So we we will find out. But I don't and- what I will say is is and I said this I think on the last show or the show before is let me just look. I have my reservations. Let me see what this whole free agency period looks like. Then I'll get back to you. I hate waiting. Everyone does. But there's a lot that has to play out still.
0: Yep. I just, I, I guess, instead of getting mad about like what I'm seeing and the progress I'm seeing, I. I think we did a, a good job of illustrating on this show what we thought it would take. If they don't do what we thought it would take and they still manage to pull it off. Hey, great. Good for you. You were smarter than I was. So they have this year to show me whether they're right or not. And, and I just love that they're not backing off of it. It's making my life a lot better because I can keep pointing to what he's saying and I can keep saying, well, if he thinks Rowdy Tules is all they need and Marco Gonzalez, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, because I don't think that, but okay. I mean, and, and in that light, we do gotta talk about Shohei a little bit here because it's kind of hard to jump right back into talking about free agency here for me, brother. It is for my own mental health, I don't want to follow all this alt Otani stuff by starting to yell at Yinzers that they can't have some fifteen million dollar baseball player. I just don't, you know, I don't want to start saying that's too expensive. Those words will come out of my mouth. I don't want to, but this Otani thing has kind of turned major league baseball upside down. I I saw comments from the Mets that they were planning on going pretty heavy in. And if the Dodgers land Yamamoto, because that's their number one target. If the Dodgers land Yamamoto, they might just be out this year. They, I mean, they literally said, why try? They're building a super team over there, and we paid the tax last year.
1: It, 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 and isn't, this an, isn't this interesting to where if you have teams like the Mets, franchises like that, second-guessing what they might do year to year, that to me speaks volumes about where the game is and the pitfalls that await it if even teams like the mets start to get hesitant about what they're going to do because i got news for you there's 20 some other teams under the mets capabilities that are thinking way more than that, about whether that, that it's worth, you know, throwing their hat in the ring financially,
0: right? And I mean, every, anything we say about the game financially here, I want you to just get it out of your head that we're comparing Bob nutting to it or counting Bob nutting in it. He his market limits him. It does, but. He limits him more than than the market. Yeah, okay?
1: one one thousand percent.
0: So it's not as though he's off the hook or anything, but there are things like that he couldn't do, like this Shoei Otani thing. It's seven hundred million dollars. There's other incentives in there, like he gets some kind of a a booth at, at Dodger Stadium, and he gets uh, some charity donation or some some something like that, and he's deferred all of it. We don't, again, we don't need exact numbers, but he he's deferred all of it until after he's done playing. So for the next ten years, he's going to get paid two million dollars a year from the Dodgers. All of the rest of it goes off and doesn't start getting paid to him until the year after he retires for ten years after sixty-eight million per year, roughly. Throw in all the incentive crap. The Dodgers can do that because they're owned by a hedge fund. And the way major league baseball changed the rules on, on these deferments, because they saw this as being a problem a while ago is to make it semi impossible to do for something silly like this. So if they're deferring $680 million on the second year of this contract, they have to show it in an account. Like they've got that money. Yeah. Yeah. All of it, all $680 million have to be in an account. And then the day after it, they can yank it all back out and do whatever they want with it. Yep. They're an investment firm. <laughs> so they own investments all over. They'll make the money out of that money. They won't spend a dime on Itani. They, they, will, they will completely not spend a dime on There are no other owners that could do this. Not even Steve Cohen. And and that's just a fact. It I is. mean, nationally, writers are even saying that. Yeah, that's a it, that's a game changer.
1: I mean, it's the ultimate hack, right? I mean, like you are just—it's just, just this—and
0: they're only going to pay forty-four million dollars worth of the tax money back into the system, right? So they they get out of all that. I mean, say what you want about what Cohen did last year with the Mets. Like spending from his own personal wealth, which we've directly told you owners don't do. And they, they did it in San Diego. And that poor man passed without ever seeing the fruits of it. And you saw Steve Cohen do it. He, a fan bought a team is what happened. Yeah. And he, and he jumped into the game. Like he was going to change everything. And then all of a sudden this off that the, the season happened, he got smacked in the face with like, that's why we don't do it dummy. Yep. And now he's backing off and gonna it, try to be a real owner again and not spend his own money.
1: Steve Steve Cohen reminds me of the the if you've ever been on eBay, you get on eBay and you you're buying everything at first. Like it's awesome. You can't like you're just getting stuff, right? You don't even need it, you're spending whatever. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh man, I gotta slow down. This is ridiculous. I'm get, I got ripped off here. I made a stupid purchase here. It, Steve Cohen got on eBay and, and went crazy, but now you are seeing these teams where even when they try that, what's the incentive for them? Yeah. You know, unless it goes perfect, what, what are you getting out of it? So
0: this is going to set up a, uh, another one of those things that I, I think we're, we're finding a more of a divide between the haves and have nots in baseball. And, this one in particular smacked some of the people that I think a lot of people thought were halves. You know, there's a lot of teams that that I think are considered the, the bigger spenders that couldn't do this. And I think that was a real smack in the face to them. And there's a lot of teams I've read the Texas Rangers in particular, they're looking to actually not add to payroll this year at all, even though they just won the world series last year. I, I saw that they, they said if, uh, the Dodgers land Yamamoto on top of Otani, they can't understand how they can move forward as a
1: franchise. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like they just won the world series, but that shows you how messed up this system is, Gary. Yeah, that 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 when you even get teams like whether it's the Mets and and all their financial capabilities or the Rangers who just won the World Series and were really intent on on running that back or trying to. Right. And then all of a sudden they're just like, well, you know, maybe not.
0: Uh, (sighs) This is basically like somebody buy like builds a, a luxury vacation home. Right. And they they let you rent it out for a thousand dollars a month and you turn around and sublet it for (laughs) $10,000 a week for 10 years. And then because you promised to pay them a whole crap ton of money down the road. Well, you've made way more than that on the way there. Yeah. So by the time you pay them, you will have made money on the deal. That's the Dodgers will have made money on showing Otani by the time they're done paying him and and nobody's going to notice it. And that, that to me is like, that's going to be the unfair advantage that smacks a lot of these people in the face.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, right now, I mean, you can guarantee it pissed enough people off. um, Even teams that, typically feel like they're kind of the upper echelon financially even some of those people are pissed off this will be a major contention point in the new cba when it when when all that is going on
0: well here's I the mean, other thing that it's setting up too the super agent has always been scott boris and i mean for as long as i can remember scott boris has been the super agent well this sets up caa as, as a super agent that Brian Reynolds agent, by the way, um, did some weird things with Brian Reynolds, wanted some very unconventional things for Brian Reynolds. One has to wonder if some of these deferments might've been a suggestion of theirs. Um, they're kind of starting to infringe on Scott's territory. This is going to set up a big battle between those agents as far as who's going to control that board. And Scott Boris controls five of the eight voting members of of the the players association board and you can see caa trying to swipe a few of those and and balance the scales because one of them is going to come out as the super agent and scott boris hates
1: deferrals well it sounds to me like teams are sure going to love them Uh, You know, and and deferrals aren't new. It's Mm. just this was like this is an
0: insane amount.
1: Yeah, this was like off the charts. No one had even uh, contemplated, I don't think, this type of scenario. Um, (laughs) I I will say what's interesting, Gary, and I I, I don't know the answer to this. Yeah. What is it? Is it 2026? is the 2026
0: the, uh, the cba expires, CBA 2027 expires. Is the new one.
1: yeah so okay let's say that this is a major um you know topic and teams want reform yep and well how does that work when you've got someone i mean are they grandfathered in do teams do whatever the hell they want up to that point and then Do you mean like
0: you If, like, say the league were to adopt a salary cap or, like, completely change the way that, like, say they ban deferrals or something stupid. They cap
1: it. They cap deferrals at whatever. Like, so everything would be grandfathered in. Yeah, dude. Like, like, even
0: when, when the NHL instituted their cap, all existing contracts were honored. And a lot of teams like New York and and LA knew that was coming and they went out and padded their rosters up to what they wanted them to be like, so that they kind of had them for five more years after the, after the salary cap came to be. And they fiercely wouldn't trade those players because as soon as they traded them and brought their books down, it was over.
1: Yeah. So, so uh, and that's what I assumed would be the, the thing. Cause you can't, how could you, how could you undo it all? You, you couldn't, there's only really one solution to it, but um, you know, the, they've bought themselves the full 10 years, no matter what happens yep. with the CBA. And I just look at it like, it's just frustrating because we already know the pirates hurt themselves more than anybody else hurts them from a, Uh, you know, what can they be doing standpoint, but the more you see how this game is set up, I will say you can see why a lot of teams and a lot of owners, they're just not going to, they're just not going to uh, expose themselves to this kind of situation. They'll take the guaranteed money,
0: if I really wanted an opportunity to win here in Pittsburgh, like if I was the GM, Bob Nutting was my owner. I understand the limitations that come, that come with that. If you asked me, first of all, I wouldn't listen to a single fan because fans would hate me. Fans would absolutely hate me as their GM because I would have absolutely no emotion whatsoever about anything I did. I really wouldn't, because I would mercilessly want to win, and I want to create an organization that just wants nothing more the next year to be better than we were this year. That's it. Uh-huh. And I would trade people, and I would draft people, and I would sign people internally, but I would never play on the free agent market. Never. Ever. Unless I absolutely had to. I would be Tampa. That's what I would do. It brings constant winning. It doesn't bring a championship yet, but it brings constant winning. And and in this market, it's the best you're going to get. Sorry. It's just the best you're going to get. And it's why I stick with it because maybe, maybe if they ever hire a GM smart enough to do it and tone deaf enough to not listen to you, we might actually get one. It'll we might actually some- get a winning team, but y- it takes misery, misery in a market like this.
1: Yeah, and and the thing about it is, is like, you know, I'm I'm constantly seeing, you know, people talk about, well, like, complaining that the Pirates could do this and they could they could do this, they just choose not to and whatever. You know, it to me, it's like it's like complaining about a problem. Well what's your solution to that? Do you have a solution? If not, then 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 what are we doing here? I mean, you know what the solution is. You the just solution, don't want to say
0: solution it. Solution is get a new owner, right? And you can get a new owner and then again, you you would do better. You would have somebody that would probably spend a little bit more money. But I mean a little bit more money. Like the the difference is just it's not what you what you hope It's we're not, we're not spending a hundred million less than I think that they would expect most of the time. They were around 70 some last year. I don't think that they should have been 170, not for where they were in the build. In fact, that's part of what makes like even discussing a salary cap tricky in baseball, because even if there was one, Jim, to me, there's always going to be a need in baseball to, to, move on from older players and replace them with younger players. So unless younger players are going to get paid a whole hell of a lot more than they are right now, which they would in a salary cap, but I don't know that it's so much more that you're going to reach a floor based on that. But rebuilding is always going to have to take place in baseball to a degree.
1: Yeah. I think in, in, in this sport specifically, when you judge them against other sports is because because the players they don't impact things for a long time you know it, even if you're drafting you know relatively high yeah. there's a real long-term investment that has to go on with baseball players you, you know unless it's just the rare case of somebody being super young and dynamic and they force their way on, but there's yeah. a lot, that's a long process. And it is.
0: And it always takes some kind of a down, you know? And I, and I just think like, that's something that, that we shouldn't lose sight of because when we talk about salary caps, well, there would be salary floors as well, which means you're probably going to have teams building really bad players, making way too much money. Sometimes <laughs> like, because you have to fill a salary cap or you're going to have some 40 year old guy sitting on your bench making 15 million dollars, you know, in baseball. Just because I think it to transfer over to the youth, it's going to be difficult. Um, if that's, if that kind of system is in place. So I don't, I don't sit here and go like, yeah, salary caps a magic wand. Go get it done. I think, I think it's got some caveats in baseball that make it difficult to, to just implement something like that over the top of what's here.
1: No, yeah, like there are a ton of questions about how you could implement it and how that all looks. I would take it in a heartbeat over this situation that we've got now. And back to the point that I made earlier, which is when you've got big teams now contemplating how much they want to go into this, that's a problem for baseball. It it, right. it it 100% is, is that if you've got the teams in the top third that are thinking it's too, too rich for my blood, right? Jeez, uh, that, that is something they have to have to address, Gary. They have to.
0: It's funny because it's basically the Dodgers saying, catch me if you can, right They're they're gonna do whatever they're gonna do. They figured this out. They're the first ones to do it. Hey, I guess I'd love to believe that it's just Shoei's idea. <laughs> but I don't I don't know that I 100 percent buy that. First of all, Jim, you and I, you know, we we both have been like reading a lot of the same things and listening to some of the same things. So it's our understanding that there is nobody but LA that could do this, right? I mean, that's what we've heard and read. So the fact that like Toronto was this involved the whole time, well, what a shitty thing to do to a market like that because Toronto, first of all, very, very large Japanese contingent in Toronto. In case you don't know that th- that team, 100% was ready to do whatever they had to do.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. So were the giants. Yeah, The I-
0: giants claimed to have accepted these terms. So now that's fine, but like again, I don't necessarily, at least from what I understand right now, think the Giants could have done this. So I mean maybe I'm mistaken in that, but it sounds to me like that would be a very difficult lift for them.
1: The 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 fact this gets into a whole nother category of all of this is is like essentially when you're letting like multi billion dollar corporations entities own teams boy are you opening up another whole can of worms with that i don't think it was ever it's just going the way of all business and i don't know if,
0: if i care about who owns them but like doing that with no break like there's nothing to stop them from just basically stomping ants and and are using magnifying glass and, and burning ants all over the league. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, there's no mechanism to stop that right now. I th- and I do believe major league baseball thought they were stopping it with that, with the last role change. So this is a a thumb in the nose of the league. I would imagine that the players union thinks it's cool um, because it probably affords more money to be spent on players this year.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: I don't know there, how they'll feel 10 years from now, I, but then again, I don't think LA is going to pay for this.
1: That's that's the thing is like, everything is like short-sighted with this is, oh, great. It's more money for other guys right now. There, nobody cares about the ramifications of that. That's down the road. We'll deal with that when it comes. You know, I just, people love to, to like, they want to discount the salary cap, salary floor argument in baseball because of the parity, right? on field. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's such a small part of this equation to me because there are other things with it. It's like, do you want a team to try to behave normally and keep star players? Do you want guys to end up ever being in your hall of fame or making the hall of fame and playing for a team for 10 years? That's a star. Do you want just the normal things that you should be associated with having a, professional franchise and the way baseball is set up is sure maybe you can compete and get lucky and do it and you know by hook or by crook or smoke and mirrors but you're never going to have all the stuff one it's a tough it's a tough road even if you did it and then you're going to dump it all anyway because you can't compete with keeping these types of guys and having the things that come along with that it's just a real do you understand what I'm saying? Like it's a real yes. distorted version of 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 being a fan of a team in in that regard. And so, forget the parody part of it. There's the, it's way more. There's way more to it than that, Gary.
0: There is, and and we've talked about that stuff. Like
1: I'll,
0: who won't enjoy watching? You know the the peon kid pirates you know, taking on the Dodgers at, at PNC park with showy and and taking two out of three from them with a th- like a, a quarter of the payroll or something, you know, like sure people, people will love that stuff. And it's not as though I, I can't appreciate it, but like at some point, I guess like the thinner you make that, that shot that I have to make to, to win, the less chance there is it's going to happen, the more that has to go right for that opportunity to ever take place, the harder it is to invest every year, the energy that it takes to actually follow a baseball team, at least as deeply as I do. I, and I think like that kind of really deep connection with a team and following them that closely, that's what builds fan bases. It really is that that's what makes a community around a baseball team. And when, when you take the ability to actually win off the table, it's, and it's happening to many teams. It's one thing if it was just the pirates and like three other teams, you know, right. <laughs> Cause you could say contract, you know, if you watch European soccer, I don't know if you do Jim. Had you not? I've had occasion to watch European soccer, you know, and I have a lot of friends that like it, and then I've never understood the whole thing about relegation, you know, because it, it's basically like you you can't win a championship. What what is the sense in even having a team, you know? Right? What is why is there a team in Nottingham? They're never going to win a championship. They're not even in the same freaking league. You know, when they play, when they play somebody like, uh, Liverpool, well, they're going to get their butts kicked and they, and they couldn't win if they beat them. It doesn't matter because they're relegated. They're in a, a separate league. Major League Baseball doesn't have that, but they might as well
1: because. Well, it's serving as, as, yeah, it's just the de facto serving as, as. Yeah. The Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals.
0: They need you, know? you for the day to day competition of putting on a league, but they don't need you trying to win. I mean, listen to all the people in baseball that openly came out and said how great this was for the game, right? The, uh, he's finally with the Dodgers. They, people even talked about like, Oh, and having Shoey in the LA market.
1: He was always in the LA market. <laughs>
0: Anaheim's just a not the right minute drive.
1: Just not the right one.
0: But it's L.A. Yeah, so, I know. I mean, know. it's not as though it's not as though he couldn't see the Hollywood sign from either location. Like th- this is
1: this is insanity. Well, yes, and and you mentioned the Devil Rays or the Rays. Sorry, even their fans think about what they have to do as fans as it comes, as it relates to the players that they have or that they sign, knowing full well they're going to move them, knowing full well that they're not going to stick with a contract super long. Like It's still just one of those situations where, okay, they've won a little. It's still gross. It's still a gross way to fan, in my opinion, because you still don't even get to look. I'm not asking for the. 19-year Tony Gwynn career in San Diego, but you know we're talking about after three years, it's time. It's time we're gonna we're gonna move in a different direction. Yeah, because is a great example right now. Blake Snell is a perfect example. I mean, like we could go on and on, and it's just only LA gets to have that, right? You can only enjoy a guy for ten years, yeah, or you get the
0: teams that pop up every once in a while and decide they're gonna spend like. Uh, Boston every once in a while will go, oh, we're going to spend this year. And every once in a while, San Francisco, oh, we're going to spend this year. Every once in a while, the Cardinals go, oh, we're going to really blow it out this year. Right? Yeah. There's some teams that do that. Those are the teams that win the championships but aren't perennially in it. Right? Then you got right. the teams that that spend all the time. The Yankees are always up there sucking the playoffs. That's their own stupid fault. The Dodgers been up there forever sucking the playoffs. It's their own fault. Like, uh, there's, it's not my fault you're not winning World Series, but you're getting invited to the dance every time. Don't you understand, like, why the ugly girls are getting upset? <laughs> and don't you understand there's a lot more ugly girls than there are good looking ones at this point? And what do you do when when the LA Dodgers get full and the New York Yankees get full? Where do, where do all these other free agents go? Because the Dodgers are getting full, folks. There isn't a lot left. <laughs> I mean, uh, where do you go after that? And, like, who wants to try? Who wants to try? Who wants to? For real. Look at what Arizona just did. How do they feel? Just went to the World Series. They go out and they're like, oh, let's go and spend some money on a pitcher. $20 million. This is going to get us there. And then look what's going on in their own freaking division. Right. We said last year watching the world series, didn't we? I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona came back and they were picked to finish third in their division, maybe even fourth.
1: And the thing is, is like baseball has allowed this, this plan B safety net and you can use it whenever you want. Right. You can just decide that this is too much for us right now. We're just going to drop off. And Gary, you had an excellent article. What was this? Three years ago about how the NHL came to be with their salary cap and, and the things that led to it. Right. Yeah. But I think the NHL teams saw that as like a unified need moving forward for the health of the game. Yep. I, uh, I think in baseball, I'm not so convinced that everybody even I think there's a lot of people that are just fine with the way it is and I and I know that maybe it's sifting more towards a little bit of uns, uh, the unsettledness, unsettledness of that yeah. but I think owners love having that safety net. I think they love having that plan B.
0: Well, that- we got to end the show, but I'll say this. It takes two-thirds of the owners to pass something, but it only takes one-third to block something. And when you have this many teams angry about a few things that are going on in the league right now and a few more that feel like they can't be competitive, they're going to band together. And the Yankees are already in this alliance, by the way. (laughs)
2: Like...
0: It's not as though this is all small teams that are starting to realize, like, hey, what are we doing here? Um, I, I, I really think like there should be some change on the horizon. I don't know if 2027 is going to be that, but I know we're going to lose baseball when it does happen. And I also know that what the owner, what the players want, doesn't matter, hasn't mattered, won't matter. Um, If this ever comes to a salary capital because the owners decided it's going to happen and the game is going to get locked down for as long as it takes, period.
1: Well, and that's why, like, the more we keep talking about what the Dodgers did here, right, and what the Pirates are not doing here in in this market, so much of this is tied to, like, these money TV deals. And if those continue to disintegrate, yep. You want to talk about the rich eating the rich? Yes. That is when. That is when you will see it because that's when panic sets in. That's like if that keeps going downhill the way I think it will. That's their best bet to really have something happen. For us I agree, to have something happen.
0: I agree, Don't and know? I think it's going to be messy. And we should mention before we jump off here. Um, happy trails to Robbie Insmanskowski. I heard he's leaving um, The Pirates broadcast And the Pirates do have a new home They have jumped on with the Penguins Over at Pittsburgh Sportsnet Sounds like most of the same cast of characters Are coming back, maybe Steven Brault Too, which is pretty cool I think he'll do really well um, So good stuff there You're going to be able to find your Pirates Sounds like they're working on a streaming solution too For the whole area So you'll be able to stream it Um Hopefully, I think they said mid-year they were hoping for that. So good stuff and uh, happy to hear that that's settled and sounds like uh, they're going to be part owners. We'll have to dig in to find out what that means because that's kind of cool because that means the Red Sox and the Pirates share property here as far as their uh, their do network.
1: They were sister cities, so hey, why not? Yeah, and this isn't like a long-term deal from what I understand. So like a lot can happen there too.
0: I think they're keeping their options open in case things change with major league baseball. And I think that's wise because like we were talking about in 2027, I, I see a lot of this TV stuff coming to a head of that too. And none of that salary reform or um, revenue stream reform stuff can happen until major league baseball figures out their TV. It's, it's a lot of games to handle and We'll talk about it maybe more next week. I'll, I'll see if I can get us, yeah. maybe not next week. We're going to have fun next week. The week after that, we'll do something. <laughs> yeah, we won't,
1: we won't do that to people uh during a, a, a Christmas special. But yeah, right. yeah, no, at some point, though, listen, it is something we're going to have to dive into a little bit more.
0: All right, everybody. Hey, thank you so much, Ben. Take it away. For you watching on video, I will say it. Let's go, Bucks.
1: Let's yeah, go, Bucks.